you ask or think. And so we pray in your name, believing in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. If you believe God answers prayer, would you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. You didn't see it on Facebook. One family already testified God blessed them beyond the sevenfold. And I had another one come in tonight and tell me they got a $4 an hour raise on their job. So God's doing the work. Amen. And so I'm believing that the rest of you who, who stepped in faith are also going to be blessed according to that in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. I want to do mention uh, for all of our men of war. This Sunday, 8 o'clock, is our next men of war breakfast. And thankful for Minister Kennedy for all he's doing with that. So be here at 8 o'clock. I don't know what's on the menu, but I know it's going to be good. Both the food and the spiritual food. Amen. And so men, be here. That means also it'll be a casual dress Sunday. Uh, so come uh, casually dressed and we'll have a good time of fellowship and worship that day as well. So again, that's this Sunday, all of our men. Also want to mention to you that coming in August, so uh, that's two weeks away approximately, um, is going to be our beginning of what we're going to be calling electives. And about every other month we're going to do this. And so if you're interested in that, it's going to be a special Monday night uh, just for the month of August. Um, See Brother Joseph, he's going to be doing some uh, discussion and teaching on uh, how to study the Bible, apologetics, things like that, which will really help you in your walk with God. Later in October, we're going to come around, we're actually going to have two of those, and so Brother Joseph's going to do another one, my wife's also going to do one, so I think it's something for ladies, so if you're interested in that, talk with her uh, as well for that. And again, it's just an opportunity for us to develop and grow in our walk with God. How many of you want to grow in your walk with God? Amen? So this is just another opportunity that we're providing for that. So praise God. Well, amen. Our elements is already out, but let's go ahead and dismiss our children. Amen. And as well, our um, nursery and our teens. Our, is there teens tonight? or Yes, teens tonight? Okay, yes, there is. Okay, thank you. All right, God bless all of those who are being dismissed in Jesus' name. And for everyone else, if you would join me in the book of Psalms, the 112th Psalm. Praise the Lord. 112th Psalm. <clears throat> and it reads as such, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed, wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness, he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth, he will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever, the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. But here we go in the last verse. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. For just a little while tonight, I'd like to teach on this thought, a God-centered life. Amen. A God-centered life. Let us pray. Jesus, you are the living word. 
And now I pray that the living word would preach the written word through me, causing my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer, inscribing your word upon our hearts and minds that we might obey it and live by it daily. Lord, open our understanding tonight to comprehend scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. If you remember, I uh, believe it was last Wednesday, we talked about Psalm 111 and how that it was an acrostic poem beginning with hallelujah and ending with Tehillah, which is a hymn of praise. Well, Psalm 112 is similar to that. It opens with the same hallelujah and is also an acrostic poem. However, it doesn't end with a praise word. Instead, it ends with a warning. In the funeral of a wealthy widow in Hollywood, a remark was made about her wealth saying she had so much to live on. Observing this and overhearing it, a wise elder who knew her and her rejection of God stated, well, maybe she had a lot to live on, but she had nothing to live for. Everyone has a driving force of some sort. Maybe you're just working for the next paycheck. It's a driving force. Maybe you're going back to school. Maybe you're going to school for the first time. Maybe it's fame or fortune. Maybe it's something within your family. For some, it's a destiny that they're reaching into the future that's really an unknown that you ask them and they say, well, I'm reaching for it, but they don't know what it is. But for the born-again believer, while some of those things that I just mentioned can be good, the born-again believer, the center of our lives, the focus of our lives, the driving force of our lives has to be Jesus Christ. He's the axis of the Bible. He's the axis upon which the entire Bible spins. From Genesis to Matthew, it points to him, and everything from that extends from him, again, creating him as the axis point of the Bible. Everything is, revolves around Jesus Christ. In fact, to the born-again believer, he has to be the center of our universe. Let me say it this way. Some people miss church for things, but the born-again believer... The God-fearing believer, the, the one who wants a God-centered life, will miss things for church. I can remember growing up, and this was the rule. If you're sick, we'll go to church. They'll pray for you. They'll get you healed. I don't know how many times my mom brought a little bucket I could puke in if I was sick. Now, wise or not, you can argue whether it worked or not, but you know what? It taught me a value that say church is important. There would be times when it was a business meeting. We're going. I'm like, it's a business meeting. That's church. It was a prayer meeting. We're going. It's church. And it, it instilled within me that this is important. This is what I am and who I am. And, and I realized that we are the church. But how many of you also know the Bible says to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together? Especially, Hebrews 10.25 says, as you see the day approaching. Gordon Dahl, a number of years ago, back in the mid-90s, said, most, this is the mid-90s again, remember that, most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, to work at their play, and to play at their worship. 
Well, no wonder our values are distorted. I don't quite remember it, but my uh, mom and dad can remember it. And, and you know, I, I've talked with others that are even beyond that in generations that can remember days when nothing was open on Sunday except the church. And now it seems like almost every possible sport imaginable plays on Sunday. It doesn't matter. Last week when I left here, uh, after first half to go over to second half, I was, like, I was astounded by the traffic. Like, why don't you people in church? Then I'm thinking, well, hopefully they're going to second half somewhere, you know. But we both know that that's probably not the case. We've seen the morality of our society become virtually non-existent. It's, it's, it's sad. It's sick. It's disgusting. It makes me long to go home. And I mean heaven. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to live a God-centered life. And so my question then would be, as, I, as we start this message tonight, can born-again believers turn the tide by living a God-centered life? Well, I'm optimistic. I tend to think so, yes. So let's see. You see, by being God-centered means putting God first in everything. He's sovereign. He has preeminence in all aspects of life. Besides, the Bible says in Psalm 24, 1, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell there. It's already His anyway. I might as well put Him first in it. So let me ask you this. What part of your life do you want God to bless? Do you want Him to bless your family? Put Him first. You want Him to bless your marriage if you're married? Put Him first. Anybody want God to bless your finances? Put Him first in tithe and offering. Anybody want God to bless your children? Put Him first. Anybody got a calling or a purpose or a ministry that you feel God's called you to? Put Him first. It's, it's the principle of Scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The sun and the moon give us an illustration of what I'm describing here, of what it means to live a God-centered life. How many of you know the sun shines by itself? We, of course, by God's authority, but we know it, 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 it shines by itself, right? We know that. How many of you know the moon doesn't? It's the lesser light. It reflects light. It does not have light of its own. If the sun went out, the moon would not shine. Okay? Well, that's like us. We're like the moon. We only reflect the sun. Okay? We don't glory in ourselves. We reflect the light of God for others to see. So let's explore Psalm 112 and, and discover some things about a God-centered life. First of all, verse 1 opens it up with, besides the hallelujah, it says, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. When I read that, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me how similar that sounds to Psalm 1, which also says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Well, right there is our first answer to what it means to live a God-centered life. And so this first point is the blessedness of a God-centered life. 
Oh, hear me. Outside the doors of the church, outside of having the Holy Ghost, I, there's a lot of things this world. I'm sick of this world. And, and there's a lot of things I know I won't find purpose or, or, or I know if I spend too much time thinking about it, it'll drive me nuts. But within the Word of God, within Christ, I can be blessed. So let me ask you a question. What should I do? Should I stay over here where I know I potentially can become riled up? Or how about I spend as much time as I can in this, doing this, praying this, living this, sharing this with others? Well, that's what I'm going to do because I want to be blessed. So what man or person is blessed? Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. So we're going to take those two things and look at them. This is vital because it's not just about being born again. A lot of people have this faulty idea that the minute they get the Holy Ghost and get baptized, ding, 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 all problems go away, everything's great. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. You've heard me joke before, not joke, but tell the story that's kind of jokingly funny, how that when Braxton got baptized, he told, you know, mom, he said, Mommy, I'm never going to sin again. Boy, wouldn't it just be wonderful if at that point where we're baptized in the Holy Ghost, just bam, it's, it's, we're, we're angelic at that point. We, we, we almost ascend immediately into heaven at that point. Wouldn't that just be wonderful? Well, that's not the way it is. And so having the Holy Ghost, being born again, being baptized in His name, doesn't just give us a free pass to his blessings. There's a condition. Blessed is the man that, number one, feareth the Lord. Number two, delighteth greatly in his commandments. So in other words, kind of like our core values here, we need to connect with God, grow in faith, serve others, lead by example, right? Let's talk about the fear of the Lord. A.W. Tozier said, when men no longer fear God, they transgress his laws without hesitation. The fear of consequences is no deterrent when the fear of God is gone. It's what's called a practical atheist. They believe God exists, but they don't believe he punishes. When you hear people say, well, God wouldn't send me to hell, that's a practical atheist. They believe in a God. They recognize Him. They just don't believe He punishes. He's this soft, you know, pushover grandpa figure that just gives you candy every time you want it, regardless of what the parents say. Which, by the way, is an idol. You've created a, a, an image of God that is not supported within Scripture. Let me also say this. Neither is He the jerk father that, that beats the tar out of you every time you, you, you do something wrong. The rod and staff that comfort you, he doesn't use to beat you. <laughs> okay? And, and so that's equally an idol of God. How about we just take what the Bible says about God and, and trust it? Did you know that the fear of the Lord produces forgiveness? Well, if you didn't, you do now. Psalm 130, verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you, just, this is the Amplified, just what man needs that you may be reverently feared and worshipped. Wow. God's forgiveness produces within man a desire to reverence and worship Him. In other words, to fear Him. Wow. 
Forgiveness from God teaches us to fear Him in love. Can I tell you that what our world needs, can I tell you what the church needs, is a revival of the fear of the Lord? And fearing God is a beautiful thing, and I believe He's restoring it to His church. And if we want to be blessed, we'll fear the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Watch what Isaiah 26 verse 9 says. With my soul have I desired thee in the night, yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. When there is a healthy fear of God, even the world, even sinners will learn righteousness by the judgments of God. Amen. However, Isaiah goes on to say in the next verse that if favor is given to the wicked, the wicked will not learn righteousness and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. So the tide can be turned if there's a revival of the fear of the Lord. Amen. By the way, if that happens, guess what else will happen? God's forgiveness will be revealed. God's righteousness will be revealed and God's majesty. All these things were from Psalm 130 and also Isaiah. All right, that's number one, fear the Lord. Number two, the blessed man greatly, or delights greatly, excuse me, in his commandments. The, the phrase delighteth greatly means take exceeding pleasure in. Take exceeding pleasure in. It's something you look forward to doing. It's something you can't wait to do. Take exceeding pleasure in. That's what delight greatly means there. The first epistle of John, we discover this truth. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. That means burdensome. So therefore, the blessing of a God-centered life is this. Begin it with a hallelujah. Amen. Start every day with a hallelujah. Spend every day fearing the Lord and spirit, spend every day taking exceeding pleasure doing and in God's commandments. If you'll do that, you'll have every day blessed. Even if it rains, even if it's a bad day, even if things go wrong, you'll have a blessed day if you'll start it with the hallelujah. Fear the Lord and do His commandments. So now that you know what it costs... Hallelujah, fear the Lord, commandments. Are you willing to pay the price? You see, far too many people want the benefits of a relationship without the commitment to one. It's why this world has the mindset that, well, we'll just live together. They want the pleasure of a relationship, but they don't want the commitment to one. And the same is sometimes in the church. They, they want the, the goosebumps. They want the blessings. They want to talk in tongues. But, oh, live for God? Change my ways? <laughs> it's why churches that, that, that preach an easy believism message and you can live like you want and do what you want and, and, and still go to heaven as long as you keep paying your tithes, bless the Lord, it's why they're packing them out. It, it's simple. It's simple. I don't have to do anything. I, I, I can still live in sin. I'll show up for a couple hours on Sunday and drop a little money in. Woohoo! Feel a couple of goosebumps and I'm good. But we know it don't work that way, does it? 
I don't want to be duped. I, want to be, I don't want to be deceived. I want to live a God-centered life. And I'm willing to pay the price. And I, I do believe you are too. Otherwise, I don't believe you'd be here. Amen? I don't believe you're just here because you want to make sure that I notice you're here and checked you off on the attendance list. I really think there's a heart within you that says, you know what, even if things aren't going 100% my way, God's still worthy and I'm going to show up. Praise God. Did you know you'll either pay the price to live a God-centered life or or you're, excuse me, or you will pay the price not to? Now, I know that sounds profound. You're like, wow, man, our pastor is, is wise. Well, but think about it. If I don't pay the price to live for God, consequently, I'm paying the price not to. There really is no middle ground. I'm either doing it or I'm not. So you might as well pay the price to live a God-centered life. By the way, choose wisely because you only live forever. So now that we've talked about the requirements and what it means to be blessed, let's now talk about the benefits of a God-centered life. If you're opening with your Psalms there, let's open it back up to uh, Psalm 112, verse 2. Watch the benefits. Listen to this. In fact, the bulk of the Psalm is all about the benefits. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Under the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. I mean, it almost sounds like you're talking about God here. Because some of those very same things are said of God. His righteousness endures forever. He's full of compassion. But watch what happens. I, as a representative of God, filled with His Spirit, Jesus Christ in me. Ephesians says all of the fullness dwells in Him. But it also says I am complete in Him. (laughs) That means if He's blessed... I'm blessed. That means if he's righteous, I'm righteous. If he's full of compassion, I'm full of compassion. So that's what it's describing here. Verse 5, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. I don't know about you, but I want those benefits. I was talking to Pastor Jeremy tonight and uh, about... Uh, potential job situation and we were discussing just back and forth and I said well what about this he said well if I did that I'd, I'd lose some benefits and and that's that's a very common uh, uh, determination when we're talking about a career I, I want to do this because if I do this I can get this benefit here and this benefit there and that's very wise to think in that especially with the cost of health insurance and other types of things well does not the same apply to this I want I'm not living for God just because of the benefits But how many of you know living for him does bring some benefits? In spite of this world and despite what's going on, I can still experience these benefits. Praise God. These eight verses right in the middle of Psalm 112 are also similar to Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to it. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In, in the first book that I wrote uh, of, of the Psalms, titled it, subtitled it Two Choices, because ultimately the Bible is, is whittled down to that. 
You'll either choose to do right or wrong. Life or death, blessing or cursing. There is no middle ground. There's no purgatory in the middle somewhere. It's one or the other. And I want to choose wisely. The legacy of God-fearing men and women are invaluable. What better to invest in the next generation than a love for the truth and a love for others? Influence, increase, insight, integrity are all wrapped up in these qualities in these verses and are passed from one generation to the next. And it results in the immovability of their place with God. Wow. That's some pretty good benefits. Now imagine if I was going to hire you to, to do, you know, whatever. And I told you that, you know, you're going to get $40 an hour. Anybody want to jump on that? Does that sound good so far? Okay, 40 bucks an hour. Um, you know, and that's, you know, definite 40 hours a week, you know. And uh, full life insurance, full health insurance, you know, four weeks paid vacation uh, to the Bahamas or the mountains or wherever you want to go, you know. And steak dinner every week. I mean, you know, and I just kept adding all these benefits. I mean, who wouldn't want that job, right? You can work from home if you want. You know, I mean, just, whew, wow, sign me up today. Well, why wouldn't something like this, if I could have the latitude to use the word entice, why wouldn't something like this entice us to want to live a God-centered life? Again, I realize I'm going to live for God regardless. But if he's going to bless, I might as well get him. I mean, if there's going to be some benefits, I might as well enjoy them. You know, if you tell me you're going to take me out for a coffee tonight and you're buying, I'm going to let you. You, you. you follow what I'm saying? Because equally, if I tell you I'm taking you out and I'm buying, well, it's, it's on me then. Hopefully not literally, but, you know, it might be. Depending on if they put the lid on right or not. Well, if why wouldn't I want the benefits from God? Again, I, I don't want to... I don't want to bring some element of prosperity, you know, junk here that we, we do it for that reason. But if they're available, if he wants to give them, might as well receive them. Right? Pick on my daughter a little bit here. She's very independent, which I love. Love that about her. But there are times when I tell her I'll, I'll help her with something. Nope, no, Dad, I got it. I got it. I got it, Dad. You know, she wants to do it. And that's hard for me sometimes to back off and let her do it because I know she'd let me help. But then there's other times where she's awful glad I helped. Well, if you can understand that little, little illustration, God, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, the Bible tells me I'm not a perfect and good father like he is. How much more does he want to give good gifts to his children? Well, if he does, I want to receive them. Kumbaya, Jesus. <laughs> right? Amen. I'm going to run through them again. I'm not going to read the verses. I'm just going to kind of highlight each one of them. Because as I did, I figured out there were 12 from what I come up with. So here we go. The children of the God-fearing will be mighty and blessed. That's in verse 2. The blessed person will be blessed financially and spiritually. They'll be enlightened with truth. They'll be generous and fair. They will not be overcome by evil. 
they will be long remembered for the good they did. They will not fear evil news. They will confidently trust in God. They are established and will be established in God. They will triumph over their enemies. They will finish faithful and they are exalted with honor. And of course, that's the you know, definitions of each of those phrases uh, explained out. Well, at the risk of sounding morbid, if tonight I was preparing the message for your funeral, would you want me to be able to share these benefits from Psalm 112 and to express to your family and friends that you had finished faithful? Would you want me to be able to express that you had lived a God-centered life to all those that came to pay their last respects? I believe the answer is yes. I know I would. I'm not sure if you've got a bucket list or even if you know what it means. I had to look it up. It's a list of things you want to do, supposedly, before you die or something. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm not sure if you got one of those. I'm not sure if you have goals or objectives or not. But I'm sure of this. I believe you're here because you want to live a God-centered life. I may never see the Grand Canyon. I did see it from 33,000 feet, but, you know, I may never see it in person. I may never get to tour all the presidential libraries, which is on my bucket list. You know, I doubt I'll ever get invited to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom, although that would be kind of cool. You know, I may never meet a president face-to-face and talk to him. That'd be kind of neat. May never travel to some of these places I'd love to go. I've been to Israel. That's awesome. Love to go back if that would be possible. But, you know, may never be able to travel to some of the other places I want to see. But you know what? If none of those things ever came true, I still want to be able to say I've lived a God-centered life. I don't want anything to hinder me from finishing my course faithfully. I was praying today, and I said, Lord, It'd be really nice if you somehow caused people to see my book on Amazon and let it be a bestseller, you know? It'd be great to pay off the church mortgage with that. But if becoming a bestseller would somehow cost me the chance to reap the benefits of a God-centered life, then it's not worth it. I'd rather sell 217 copies and stop there. You see, I've come too far, and I've lived too long, and I refuse to give up now. If you think I am giving up, you're off your nut. I refuse to be a trophy in the showcase of hell. Hallelujah. I refuse to be like Demas, who forsook God loving this present world. I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. By the way, in, in God's second of ten commandments, there is something that has intrigued me for years. In Exodus 20, verse 5, God says He will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon their children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. First of all, what intrigues me about that is what I can do will have an impact on my children and my grandchildren and possibly my great-grandchildren, and that just freaks me out. I do not want my negative to be pushed down to three and four generations. However, the next verse says, Exodus 20, verse 6, 
that God shows mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So let me, let me put it to you this way. I'm Myron Powell, the broker tonight, and I'm here to tell you that if you have $1,000 and you invest with me in plan A, everybody say plan A, you will have a negative outcome, lose your money, and it will severely impact and hamper your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. How many want to sign up for plan A? Anybody want to invest your $1,000? Okay, wise people you are. Okay, however, I also have plan B. Plan B, you invest the same $1,000 and you will have a positive outcome, make a lot of money, and you'll be a blessing for about two millennium. Anybody want to sign up for plan B? Or plan A, or no, plan B, yeah, that was the right one, sorry. B, 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 get my, get my mind here right. <laughs> you can understand that verse now when you think about it in the concept of if I invest over here, I'm going to lose money. And it's going to adversely affect up to my great-grandchildren. Eh, no, I don't want to do that. But if I invest over here, and it's going to bless thousands of generations, wow. I hope to live to see grandchildren, if the Lord doesn't come, that is, of course. Maybe even old enough to see great-grandchildren. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. But here's, can you imagine if thousands of years later, there are still people being blessed because of what you did right. That's pretty awesome. Adversely affect three to four generations, bless a thousand. Is it really a choice? <laughs> I mean, it's like Moses. This day I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Did he really have to say, therefore choose life that you and your seed will live? I mean, it's like, duh, that's the right choice. I'm not trying to be crude, by the way. I'm just trying to get you to understand this in a very simple way. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Jesus. So now that we understand the benefits, we've seen the blessedness of a God-centered life, I want to now talk about in these final few minutes the banishment of those who reject a God-centered life. The final verse is a warning. The wicked shall see it. Shall see what? They'll see the benefits of the righteous. They'll see it happening and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Now this verse again is very similar to Psalm 1 and the final Three verses of Psalm 1, verses 4 through 6. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The wicked who rebel against God, who reject Him, will see His blessings and benefits on the godly. And by the way, this verse somewhat implicitly and somewhat explicitly points to the rapture. Because when Christ comes to redeem the church, He'll also be coming to pour out His wrath, and they'll see it. Luke indicates this. It says one group is lifting up their heads, you know, and their hands looking up. Redemption draws nigh. Luke, I think it's 21, 28, right? 
Meanwhile, the other group is asking the rocks to fall on them because the wrath of God has come. They'll see the ultimate blessing and benefits of the righteous and be grieved. The, the, that's kind of the implicit. But then the next part says, he shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The Bible tells us four times in Matthew and once in Luke, using the phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth in a reference to the final state of, wicked, of the wicked in hell. In another account recorded in Luke, Jesus tells a parable of the rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. And Lazarus, when he died, went to a place of peace and rest called Abraham's bosom, while the rich man went to hell and was tormented by the flame. And so Psalm 112 verse 10 is both implicitly looking at that final moment when, when the righteous are rewarded and the wicked are receiving wrath, but it also points to that uh, uh, explicit moment when the wicked are cast into hell, into the lake of fire, and melt away, as the verse says. This is why it's a warning. The wicked who rebel against God and reject Him will not experience His blessings or benefits. They'll become angry. I read sometimes in the book of Revelation where as these things are happening, leading up to that final moment, instead of turning to God, they, they turn further from Him. And it baffles me. But they'll perish in their rebellion. When I begin my journey of studying and teaching the Psalms, I immediately saw a pattern emerge. The Psalms, as well as the entire Bible, present two choices but leaves the choice up to you. If you make the choice to go to heaven, you will have made the wisest choice you've ever made in your life. Make the choice to fear God and keep His commandments and live that blessed life. You've made the wisest choice. But it'll be your choice to have followed Him, to have forsaken all, to deny yourself, as Luke 9.23 says, and have taken up your cross and followed Him. And equally, if you make the most unwisest choice to reject and rebel, there'll be nobody to blame but yourself. I understand there's been a lot of church hurt. Again, I reference our testimonies during February through April, and it grieves my heart at the church hurt that has taken place. And, and I both wept with those of you that shared what had happened, and, and a part of me raised up, you know, something raised up within me that said, oh, my Lord, if I ever see that, Pastor, oh, why? Because it just, I can't imagine somebody that would do that. But even in those extreme circumstances, if a person were to turn away from God, it would ultimately be their choice to do so. From the epilogue of volume one, I wrote these words. In the opening account of human history, we discover the first time two choices are given. Adam and Eve can obediently partake of all the trees in the garden, including the tree of life. Or they can disobediently partake of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Unfortunately, they make the unwise and sinful choice and partake of the forbidden fruit. The Bible continues presenting two choices, sometimes implicitly and other times explicitly. Jacob could have chosen to reject God instead of repenting. Joseph could have chosen bitterness instead of forgiveness. 
Moses set before Israel life and death and blessing and cursing and then gave the correct answer. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I could continue with many other examples, but that might require an entirely separate book and a whole bunch of more messages. Suffice it to say, you can sum up the Bible in two choices. Genesis records the first time that mankind is given the opportunity to decide between two choices. And Revelation records the final opportunity to choose. If you choose wisely, you will be numbered in the first resurrection. Revelation 20, verse 6. But if you choose unwisely, you will partake of the second death. Revelation 20, verse 14. You know, we've often said, you only live once, yellow. You only live forever. Choose wisely. I want to be like the guy in verse 1 who reaps the benefits in 2 through 9 so that I can avoid being like the wicked in verse 10. And when this life is over and the righteous are rewarded, I want to be in that number. Don't let anything stop you from making the wise and correct choice to live a God-centered life. There is no time like the present to make a fresh start. Even if you're listening online or here in person and you have faltered, tonight's your night. Get back where you need to be and keep on going. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. If you sin, you have an advocate with your father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There's still mercy, there's still time, there's still grace. God in his infinite wisdom and and abounding mercy even gave that wicked woman Jezebel a space to repent. And if he's that merciful to allow her an opportunity to have changed her ways, And you better believe that on this side of Calvary, there is an opportunity that still exists. Amen. Amen. Heaven is too beautiful to miss. So I refuse to let bitterness or unresolved anger or unrepented sin or anything keep me from living a God-centered life. Praise God. I'm going to pray, and then before we dismiss, I'm going to ask if Manuel and Jennifer would come. He's going to just share just a brief introduction of his family and testimony from his heart. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me your grace and strength to deliver your word. I pray now that it would sink into our hearts. And Lord, if there are those both in person and or watching who are in need of repenting, that they would find that place tonight. Not wait until Sunday, not wait until another moment, but this very night that they would make their calling and election sure. For today is the day of salvation, and now is the accepted time. In Jesus' name. Praise God. If y'all would come, in Jesus' name. Again, you you saw what we did on um, Sunday, giving them the, the right hand of fellowship. We praise the Lord for that. We're glad that they have made TCOO their church family, and uh, we're glad to welcome. So y'all want to come up here, down there? You tell me, down here? Okay. All right. You're on. (laughs) Yes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, Just uh, honored 
to uh, be here and welcoming from everybody here. We, we appreciate it. Um, we uh, made this move to kind of open, I don't know, just see how the Lord can bless us over here. We were tired of California um, and all the craziness that happens. It's, it's a beautiful place, but um, but yeah, a uh, little testimony of mine. Um, I was raised, you know, in, in the church under the doctrine of, of the apostolics and um, which is, I'm not here to talk bad about anybody. Um, and the, I guess, the wider road that leads to damnation looked better for me when I was young and I left, I left it. I decided to do whatever I wanted to do. And, um, you know, the Lord never left my side though. I want to say I, I felt like even when I wasn't, you know, living, going to church, living, you know, the God-centered life like we should be, um, he was still sending people. Like I had, I met this guy who was uh, like, he proclaimed he was half, uh, half Buddhist, half Christian, and I kind of explained to him, like, you can't, it's like going left and right at the same time, and I, I felt like God was was still using me to talk to other people, even though I kind of, I don't know, being a stubborn man, I guess I would say, um, but um, I, I, one day, I um, just got on my knees, asked, asked him to just forgive me of everything, because it, the, the, the cares of this world, the, the beautiful stuff that you think to our side is beautiful, which to God's side is not, um, it, it just consumed me to the point where I, it was just so overwhelming and I was just tired of it. Um, my mom never stopped praying for me. So for all the mothers out there and you have, you know, uh, uh, children that are not, you know, walking with the Lord, don't ever stop praying because it works. Amen. There's there's power in, in the faith and the prayer that a mother carries with her. Amen. Amen. And um, and it, it always I feel like her prayers were were sending people to kind of, you know, s- steer me in the right path. I I was in a, in a you know a good relationship, and I asked God to to if if it was of Him to make something happen. And literally the next day it was like, you know, the, the it all hit the fan and it went south for me. And I had decided at that point I was gonna start walking with God. And he sent a trial with my dad. He got a tumor in his, uh, in his pancreas. And um, I, I was really questioning, like, like, is this what I kind of should be wanting to? I don't know. The, still the cares of this world were trying to pull me towards it. And, um, I mean, we serve a living God. And we, we, follow the, we try and follow the Bible as much as we can, especially, like, the book of Acts that teaches us how to, um, you know, like, like, pray and, and have faith that God still heals, God still opens doors. And I remember my mom, my sisters, myself, we, for three days, we fasted and we prayed and we rebuked that tumor. And um, this was the week before the surgery. We go in for the checkup and they were dumbfounded. They couldn't find anything. They send us to a different specialist. They even send us, we lived in San Diego and they send us to LA to a, a, a third, a third uh, opinion. And they were all like, I mean, we, we see that there's little swelling, but there's nothing there. And they're like, you know, where, where did you go to Mexico? We're like, no, I mean, we, we just, we pray to our God. We believe in, in, in the Lord. And, and he showed me that he's still real and he still does, he still does what he says he does. So I, at that point, I, I knew I was just going to, you know, stand firm 
and, and walk this path that hopefully, you know, we, we finish this race, like, like Paul said, uh, you know, fight the battle and, and finish the race, and, and amen. So this is, this is my story of the prodigal son that came back, and, and the Lord welcomed me with opened arms, and it, it was, yeah, amen. All glory to God. Um, he did fill me with the Holy Spirit when I was like 14 at junior camp, and I feel like that's what was like also drawing me the, like, you try and, and, and compare anything this world has, and nothing compares to the joy that God puts yeah, in you, that, that love, that everlasting love that he, he, he plants in our hearts, and, and I, 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 thank, I thank the Lord and, and his spirit that never, never left, even though I left him, I, I hear and I say that it, it never left me because it, it kept drawing me to him, and, and that's, that's how the Lord works, and I, I give him glory and honor and, and praise, and um, amen, that's my testimony, met my wife, uh, you know, like a year after all this, and, and I mean, it's, it's just, he keeps opening doors for us, he keeps blessing us, showing us that he's still with us, and amen, this is, this is our, our beautiful testimony, um, I'll try and pass the mic to her, but she's, she's a shy one, and she says she doesn't want to, but. Thank you, everybody, and and we're we're the Rojos. We're here to serve, so we're ser we're we're servants of the Lord. So we're here to serve, also, you know, our, our brethren and anything you guys need. We're here for for anything. God bless you, everybody. Amen. Amen. So greet them, get to know them, connect with them. Uh, four children or five? Four. Okay. That was not prophetic, I promise, in Jesus' name. <laughs> that was not the spirit of prophecy right there. <laughs> Amen. But uh, get to know them and, and uh, connect with them. And uh, let's just, you know, uh, as he said, you know, they're, they're here to serve. We're here to serve them. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Let's be here Sunday again. Uh, men of war, remember, 8 o'clock. Sunday morning, let's have a great time. God bless you in Jesus' name.